All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Mind of George Show. And you'd figure with a podcast name like that, I would know what episode it is, but I have no freaking clue because that's not important. It's the content that's important. And today, I might have done an intro on this episode. I don't know, but I'll just pretend I didn't. Today, we have the man, the myth, the legend, my soul brother, my work husband, my life husband. The only relationship I'm allowed to go pursue actively, my wife's like, you go do whatever you want with him. I don't want to know about it. Uh, a business partner, a mentor, a friend, uh, someone who shares in the work with me, someone who guides me and lights me every day. And I am honored, exuberant, too realistically excited to introduce my boy, Stefano. So, Steph, welcome to the show, my friend. Oh, brother, it's uh, been a long time coming. It's an honor to be here. I know. And just so everybody knows, the only time I can pin like one of my best friends down to get on a call is to get him on a freaking podcast. So I have to pre-schedule <laughs> interviews like six weeks out in advance. Like, hey, man, catch up. Like, it's good to see you. How have things been? <laughs> it's been crazy lately, man. I, didn't, I was training this morning and I was thinking to myself, I need to re. I need to revamp. I need to revamp my whole schedule because I'm just not. I'm just compressing my days too much, and it's just. I actually thought this was fucking funny. You said this. I thought this was like, what would George do? I was legitimately <laughs> thinking, what would? How would George, if he felt that he was being compressed in his days? And I'm, I'm efficient and effective. Yeah. But I just feel too compressed, mm-hmm. and I literally said to myself, I was about to do some presses, kettlebell presses. What would George do? Mm-hmm. So I'll be, I'll be hitting you up for that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know what? Like, and it, it's so, uh, it's such a prevalent thing, but like really one of the things I'm on day, whenever you're listening to this, I might be on day 1000 of this thing, but I'm on day 35 actively of Andy Frisella's 75 hard. Mm, that's awesome. There's nothing in the challenge that's hard. It's mm. the discipline to carve out the time and protect the time that yes. I've had the biggest, biggest breakthroughs with. And it's like, in the beginning, I'm like, well, I'll just do a two-hour workout in the morning, right? And then I get both 45 minutes. But it's like, no, it's two yep. separate 45 minutes. And so, like, having that level of intentionality has carved out some crazy, crazy space, clarity, but also the ability in which, like, I, I really do schedule my day. And I'm able to get more done and less because I have these breaks and these pockets of, like, just fill my tank, come recharge. And so I get more done mm. in three hours than I was doing in like seven before because I forced myself to split it up in the middle. It's It's been mm. really, really interesting, which by the way, everybody wondering, um, Stephanos has been monumental for me and many other men. We run a men's group together too. But one of the things that we talk about a lot is like space containers, mm. you know, protecting that stuff. But before we get into that, I want to know how you learn to protect it. So the first question I ask everybody is what is the biggest mistake that you've ever made in business or life and what was the lesson and takeaway? The biggest mistake that I've made in business and in life simultaneously, I don't want to say it's the biggest, I just want to say it's a really big one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's a massive one is not assuming responsibility for my role. Mm. You, you know, and so the, the example in business is I would be in businesses that would just succeed then fail succeed then fail be like that that burn build mentality right i'd be one month i'd be making a shit ton of money and the next three months would be nothing and the next two months and maybe something and the next four months and not much and it was just but but i was never i was the common denominator in that and i would just instead of remaining with the business and being persistent and evaluating it from a place of what can i do differently how can i show up differently is it my attitude is do i need to skill up do i need to educate myself more do i need to surround myself with different people do i need to raise money or or create a flux of income in a different way instead of asking those questions i would just 
blame my business partners or blame the market timing or blame um, someone else that wasn't showing up in the business and then I would just move on to something else. And that's what I was doing in my personal life. I was not taking responsibility for how I was showing up. I wasn't taking responsibility or ownership for the actions that I was taking, the thoughts that I was having, the belief systems that supported all that, the unattended to history and trauma and unresolved wounding that I had. And it was just easier to blame my partner or easier to blame someone else. And so that's one of the biggest issues that I've found in, in life. Um, and taking responsibility, which is, you know, it's, it's an ego check. And it requires a lot of work and effort, and it means working with people like psychologists or counselors or shamans and healers and all of that, coaches, and getting a new perspective um, on how I was being and stepping into, well, what could I do differently? That started changing mm. my, my path. I asked you to answer for you, not diagnose me and give everybody a <laughs> synopsis of my life. Thank, thanks. <laughs> We're not that different. <laughs> <It was me. laughs> This is why we get along so well, by the way, because we yeah. speak the same language on multiple levels. Yep. I think I think I want to unpack this a little bit, Steph, because we, you and I talk about this all the time. And I, whenever you know, I get you on a call, but yeah, I, I will give him credit. He responds to my text messages all the time, so I <laughs> I will say that I am the initiator in this relationship. But we'll work on that one. Um, <laughs> I want to say that it's not a, it's not as it's. I don't think it's as steep as what you may think. I think oh, I initiate, mate, but I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. Definitely initiate more. And it's not because I don't love you. It's not because I don't care for you. No, it's because I'm more insecure than you. <laughs> that's, all, that's all it is. Tick on the, tick on the ownership. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, we want to talk about ownership. I'm like, I'm feeling lonely and empty today. Where's my husband who's going to tell me how amazing I am while also kicking me in the balls if I need it today? And so, no, I, I love it, but I think... You know what? Like when we think about business, we think about entrepreneurship, right? Like you and I talk all the time. We don't separate into compartments. We're not like, oh, today at work and today in my marriage and today when I chunked that workout or today when I got really angry and I dropped all my you know, Australian cuss words that sound attractive when I say them, but dirty when George says them. You know, when that happens, we don't differentiate the compartments and the pockets. And, and I think what's so imperatively important about what you said, and you're more eloquent about this stuff than me because I just bulldozed through it, is that there are no compartments, but you talked about the ownership of it, like not advocating our responsibility in it. And like there's a check here that comes up everywhere in business. I don't care who you are in business. Like we're entrepreneurs. It's going to go awry every day. And even when shit's working perfectly, check by check by check, there's going to be something. There's going to be a pocket. And what you said is that like learning to take you know, responsibility or step into that ownership. But like, what does that look like tangibly? Like, cause I know like, right. Like we run an ad, it doesn't work. Right. And I'm like, well, it's the ad guy. It's the boom. It's the boom. But if I hit pause and I go for a walk, I'm like, well, I set them up to fail. I was missing the plan. I advocated the vision. I expected somebody else to do the work. I put a half-ass effort into it. Right. But it took me, you know, 15 years to get there. And so like, what does that process look like for you? Or like, what are some of the tools or modalities that you use or you would advise somebody on if they're sitting here? Like, yeah, like the state of the world is shit right now. I feel like it's all crashing down. I have no clue what to do. And it's like this getting stuck moment. Like, what's your advice for that? Mm. I always think simple is best. And sometimes, you know, we, we, we live in a world where we want razzle-dazzle. Like we want short-term gratification and we want razzle-dazzle. We want it to be dressed up. And sometimes 
the boring, simple things are often the best way to to be able to tackle a pain point that we're experiencing. So for me, having a, a very because you know what we what we create in our world in terms of practices and habits, they become us. Mm. And so having a, a practice of daily introspection and respect and reflection, but si- simply at the end of every day, or and or at the beginning of every day. And there's two times in our days where we generally are a little more quiet and in that silence we can hear a lot more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, before you go to sleep and you you've have a practice of shutting down your devices, and I don't always hit the mark on this, you know, sometimes I'm up late working and I'm on computer and on my phone and dealing with clients and I don't have to do that. That's me just having loose boundaries, right? But now here's me taking ownership of something that I want to step into a little deeper that I'm able to do because I have a diligent practice where I self-reflect. And so because I self-reflect and I practice it and I get quote unquote more proficient at it and better at it, I, in that time of 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes, whatever it is where I'm self-reflecting, I'm asking questions because quality questions lead to a quality life. How did I behave today? In my interactions, was I compassionate to the, to the, spa, to the place that I, point that I wanted to be? Did I hurt people today? Did I honor myself and my needs today? Like whatever the questions are that are important to you. And I reflect on that. And that gives you an opportunity to step into ownership. It leads to greater levels of responsibility. It leads to mitigating risk or being to being able to be effectively responsive to something as opposed to emotionally charged and reactive when something goes quote unquote wrong. In other words, we had an idea of how it needs to be and it doesn't go that way. And then all of a sudden we get so upset and we, we, we don't know what to do with ourselves. But when we're more grounded in who we are, we have an ability to say, okay, what's my role here? Because that's essentially what we have control of. Mm. We don't have control of what other people do. Mm. We can influence other people, but we don't have control of them. So we can step into a place of, of this is what I'm actually able to control, um, which is me and how I respond. And I practice that on a daily basis, thinking about these things, thinking about the way I've been feeling into any emotions that are attached to that and anything that arises to the surface of my awareness and then dealing with that in real time with different tools whether it's breath practice again simple stuff whether it's a, a journaling practice whether it's i'm sharing that with someone like i might i may send you a message and say hey what do you think about this and having that different perspective in that trains me and it trains the mind the body and the entire being to be more reflective and to to be able to step into ownership to respond quickly and effectively to when life doesn't often go the way we want it to go now the parallel to that is when we look at what's happening in the world, I'm not going to make this a, a geopolitical or mm-hmm. socioeconomic conversation, but when we look at what's happening in the world, I think we, one thing we can all agree on is a lot of confusion. Mm-hmm. Irrespective of what you think is happening or not, there's, there's a fair amount of confusion and unknown. And that sends people into tailspins because people aren't grounded in their own sense of self. And hey, my, I'm the first person to put my hand up. When the world started reacting to what is happening, um, I was the first one to get very defensive and get, become very reactive myself, not in the sense that I got scared for some virus or I was reactive in the sense that, whoa, whoa, we're overreacting, we shouldn't be like this. And I was getting angry at institutions and people being sheep and I was being very judgmental. Mm. And that's not fair. And that's not fair on people and that's not fair on me. Mm. And all I'm doing is feeding the reactive nature. So it took me a minute. To, to get and be be more responsive. And so I went back to that that daily reflective practice of how could I be doing life a little better right now for me and for others. Mm. I think when we get accustomed to that, it really helps us just ground in a different sense of self. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things that you said that stuck out literally as you're speaking, three books like popped into my brain, but I'm not even going to go there. But like one of the things that I love, and by the way, just so everybody wonders, you finally met somebody that talks just as fast as I do. This is why. <laughs> we, we also cadence the same, which is why we pace and get along so well. We don't even have to hear the words coming out. We just love each other because we can speak that language. But when, when you said, I'll be the first to admit that I missed the mark, right? And what I love about that is that like, Jim Quick says this, it's not about striving for perfection. It's striving for progress, Yep. like striving for progress. Right. And like in that one flow, two and a half minutes of you speaking, there were five, six times where you owned it. Like, Oh, I'll be the first to own it. And then I fall back into my practice. I ground back into my practice. And so my question for you is like, when you're in these, you have your routines, you have your days, like you're in flow, right? Like you're comfortable, mm. you're doing it. And then boom, pattern interrupt, right? Trigger response or I ditched it today, right? Like I had expectation mm-hmm. hangover as your beautiful bride calls it expectation mm-hmm. hangover. And I missed my journaling session. I didn't mm-hmm. do it. What's the process like? Like, how do you catch that? When do you catch that? And then what do you do to get back on track? Because, mm-hmm. you know, it smacks me hard when you're like, it's mm-hmm. not about the big things, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, the old me that was like glitz, glam, like Hollywood, Charlie Chaplin yeah. on the stage of everything I do. And then really mm-hmm. the, the me that I'm focused on every day is like, I put a lot of work in that nobody sees anymore. And yeah. it's really simple for me, like how effective it's been to like write my thoughts on a sticky note once a day or read 10 pages of a book or spend 10 minutes in silence. But there's time stuff that like it feels impossible to get there. Like it feels yeah. like the pressure, the weight of the world. Where's the next paycheck coming from? Where's the next sale coming from? How am I going to pay that employee to where like it almost consumes my body. And I'm like, what do I do? Like, uh, you know what I mean? Like every part of me wants to run and freeze at the same time. If you know that feeling I'm talking about. So like, how do you, how do you get back into that? How do you flow through that? Like, what are some of the things that you recommend or or what you do? Yeah. So for me, I'm, I'm quite a a vocal person in terms of expression. Right. And so I, I generally don't, I generally don't keep it inside. And so if there are times where I'm being reactive, Often for me, all I need is a, a very short out emotional outburst of something, and then I'm able to equilibrate it, reflect on it, recognize that that's not really the path I want to take, and then move into behaving a different way and asking myself, well, what can I do different next time? And so when I meet that part of me that is quote unquote ugly or not attractive, when I meet that part of myself with compassion, a deeper sense of empathy and non-judgment, I'm able to move through it in a quicker way, but not only in a quicker way, in a way that doesn't have me repeating the same old patterns again. Mm. Something that's also very useful that most people don't take advantage of is having a, a partner in their life or someone intimate that they share with because they can be a mirror for you and they can be a perspective. The thing is our ego gets in the way. And we, you know, we, we get we become very quickly offended or we become we take it personally and our little boy or little girl comes out, our wounded aspects of self come out, that that exiled part of us, that the protector within us or one of our protectors is trying to literally just protect. And we become very defensive, hyper defensive, um, almost always. So for example, you know, you know, we we, we you know 
everyone to me everyone's an influencer everyone's a thought leader mm-hmm. that, that, that doesn't you know every single one of us whether you have a social media platform or a website or not you're a mm-hmm. thought leader and you're an influencer mm-hmm. you're influencing either your own path at the very least or you're influencing your environment whether that's their animals trees plants people whatever whether you're the president of a large company or whether you have a small family and you live in a, a, a country town with a population of 500 people you're influencing what's around you yeah. right and so Often we come into relationship and intimate relationships to help us heal those parts of us that we haven't really healed growing up and that have been, you know, quote unquote, emotionally injured. And so with that said, you know, the example I was going to give is, you know, we might post something on social media and we get a a negative comment or a comment. No, it's not even negative, right? It's a comment that someone disagrees with us. And, you know, in the past for me, I would take it personally. I would get upset. They're attacking me. They don't know me. They wouldn't talk like that if they were in front of me. Like I get into this, <laughs> you know, oh, they're a fucking keyboard warrior. I'd love to see if they were in front of me, what they'd say, you know, like whatever. Right? I'm going into my stories. And the reality is I'm just insecure and yep. I don't back myself. I'm not trusting myself. I'm not I'm not in, at, a, at a stage of deep and self-worth where I can say, hey, I respect your opinion. You know, a, a good friend of mine once said to me, you may know this guy. I don't know. You may not. You may not. Um, you may not recognize him these days. I don't know. You may. You may or may not. He said to me, Steph, what a fucking blessing it is that someone actually comments. On, well, you know what? Maybe you heard it. Mate, why don't you just say it instead of me saying it? Because you'll just say it so much better. Oh yeah, that was that was me. I I did. I did. I said, what a what a blessing that somebody trusts you enough with their deepest fears and insecurities to project them in front of you to help them break through them. And yeah. it, ah, it's such a, <laughs> I, I, you know, I'll be the first to own it. Cause you and I talk about this stuff a lot. Right. And I think it's so powerful. Um, and I think it's so easy to hide in entrepreneurship. It's so easy to hide in business. It's so easy yep. to, to advocate that. Yep. And Especially behind dollars, right? If oh, you're making money, it's oh, easy to of, hide behind oh, cash. Oh, of course. Everything's working, right? Everything's working. Yep. Hence why, you know, it's never enough, right? There's always another yeah. finish line. And I think it's so, so imperative. Like recently what I've noticed, because this is the, you know, the full disclosure episode, because nobody will pull this out of me but Steph, because nobody knows me like this. Now the game is like, hey, I know I'm about to project on you and I'm choosing to do it anyways because I'm that insecure and triggered in this moment. And I don't I don't put it out there, right? But yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I noticed yeah. that the levels of depth really challenge the levels of depth that I have in that self-security, right? Uh-huh. In that self-love and that self-ownership. Like I was talking to Steph before this podcast, like when I go to the gym in the morning, like I've been getting up early because it's important to me to be there when my son wakes up. And if my son wakes up at 545 and I have to get two workouts in every day, well, guess what? 330 is the only option. That's what mm. works for me. And well, it doesn't feel like it fucking works, but it works on paper. <laughs> I normally wake up at about 7.30. I'm like, oh, I already worked out today? Wow. Um, but that that time that I get in the gym, like I modulate a thousand emotions in an hour and a half. And yeah. I can tell like how I slept, how my day was before based on how solid I feel. And there's times like I'm talking to weights. Like nobody's at the gym at this time. It's just me. It's a private gym. And I'm yeah. like literally having conversations with myself through the weights of like, I can't believe you feel this way. Like, what is this? Why do you feel this way? I can't even sit here alone. Like it's it's so imperative and so important. And I love that you lobbied that back at me. I just think it's a reminder, you know, for everybody. And you know, I would normally ask you the question, like, if you could look at social media, like, what would you change about it, right? I, I think for me, 
it's looking at it for what it is. And it's a connection tool to other human beings, right? It's mm. a place for people that, you know, we know from a marketing perspective why they share on social, right? But we forget when it's opposing to us or it's challenging to us or we're holding a fragile belief that it challenges to its core that that's our mother, our sister, our brother, our husband, our father on the other side that's also yep. just as afraid as we are. Yeah. Just as afraid yeah. as we are. So like, what are your thoughts on on that? Like if you looked at social media, if you could change like how people see it or this tool that we have in the world, given the state of the world, but even the state of just our industry and marketing and digital marketing, like what, what would you change about it? Like what would you want people to see about it? I suppose what I would change at the moment is the censorship that is apparently occurring. And I say apparently because I don't have complete quote-unquote proof of that. Totally. There seems, to, there seems to be censorship occurring from the the governing institutions that that own these social media companies. Yep. That would be the first thing I would change is I think in that censorship, and I, and I get it, I, their, their reason or excuse for it, whichever way you want to look at it, is that it's it's misinformation that's being put out there, so we're removing it. But that doesn't make sense to me. When we're talking about human evolution and expansion, synonymous with expansion is freedom. There is something that's really deeply embedded in freedom of expression, freedom of communication, freedom of being seen. I just don't think that those platforms have the right to do that. So I would definitely shift that if we could, if that would be possible. And honestly, man, I don't think I'd shift much of anything else. And I'll tell you why. Whilst I see a lot of information lost in translation through the written word, and again, there are many reasons for this. When we look at the development of globalization technology and the way we process and absorb information, we have a very short attention span. Like these things here, these phones, I mean, we're scrolling, we're, we're, we're not able to be fixated generally on one thing for a period of time. Hence why reading is actually a really important practice to have in your day mm -hmm. because it allows you to block out a lot of information and input and sensory input that's just coming into your environment. You're sitting in stillness and silence, hearing your own breath. It's very important. And so that there, it's that's an issue. So take take a take aside that. Mm -hmm. Take aside our inability to, you know, I might put a post up. And in that post, I do my absolute best to convey a message. But if someone is really, really triggered on the other side mm -hmm. and they already have a predisposition towards a particular belief system, the way that message may be interpreted is not exactly how it was intended. Mm -hmm. Now, that's going to happen in any form of communication, mm -hmm. but it's accelerated through social media because we're piecemealing information together. Like I have a certain belief, and I'm happy to share that if, if you wish, but I have a certain belief or understanding around what's happening in the world today. Mm -hmm. Now, and I'll actually, I will share it very briefly. How I feel we, as a global society, reacting to this pandemic of, of this particular virus, I don't think it's healthy. I don't think we've, we've taken the quote-unquote um, right path with it. I'll leave it at that for now, and I, I can go real deep there. We'll do, we'll do a full other episode on that one. And, and I'd love to, right? Yeah. And now, however, when I see someone that posts a statistic or, po again, I'm not, I understand posting singular, this, you asked me about social media, what I'm totally, telling you about. Totally, totally. People post, they, we piecemeal information together. We, I do it, you do it, we all do it to some mm -hmm. extent. 
it's part of the culture of social media. And so you put a single study out there. First of all, that study needs to be longitudinal. It needs to be cross-cultural. There needs to be enough of a sample size. It needs to be replicable. Like the people, So many people don't understand science, and it's not our fault per se. It's that it's not taught adequately in schools. It's another issue, education system. Mm-hmm. And so how we perceive, connect to information, express, et cetera. So what I was getting at was if I see a piece of information that shows a statistic that says we've absolutely done the right thing, um, you know, locking everything down, I meet it with curiosity, George. Yeah. Now, I never used to. And sometimes even now, if I had to be fucking real honest, I'd say, oh, wow, this fucking <laughs> But the vast majority of the time I'm curious because I want to understand what is this person seeing that perhaps I'm not or I could be seeing deeper. Mm-hmm. But we just don't do that, man. We're so fucking reactive because we have a disposition and our identity and everything that we're associated with is attached to that disposition that we can't shift it. Totally. And that's one of the issues with social media, right? Totally. Well, I think too, and like this might be a very unpopular belief, but I agree, except I, I agree with like the lack of censorship. Everything should be free, right? Except we were complicit in allowing it. We yep, we didn't we didn't stand for it. We loved it. We loved and you might not have loved it with words of like, yeah, censor me, right? But like you sure show it with the algorithm like, oh, let's post on the cars. Let's click on the bikini photos. Let's look at the social media life. Let's not engage with the real. Let's pretend it doesn't exist. Let's live vicariously yep. through it. Yep. And, you know, we're living in an ecosystem that we've created, right? And like, here's the thing. Algorithms now are so smart and AI is so smart. Most humans don't train them. Like it is literally delivering to us what we told it we wanted. Now, of course, there's human interaction. And I think there's, you know, things suppressed and I agree with you across the board. But there's also this thing that everybody misses that from day one, we gave up our right to privacy and we didn't join a platform we created. We said, hey, we're giving you our data. Give us whatever you want. It's your world. We're living in it. We've been using these platforms for free for free for years. And we're like, oh yeah, make it better. Like give me more info. Like let me connect with more people and I don't want to pay you a dollar. And then I'm going to get really pissed that you sell all my data to fund all of this and do something with it. And so I think I, I, both sides I think need to be looked at because just like anything, you know, we've said for years in business, you vote with your dollars right? everyone's like, don't support them. Don't vote with your dollars. Well, in the game of social media, you vote with your attention. It's, a, it's an attention economy, based economy. It's a free, it's a free platform. So yeah. you're not voting with your dollars. You're voting with your attention. Here's an interesting thing. What if we all, and again, I don't know, this would be tough, but what if we all just stopped using social media for one month? Mm-hmm. Every single user that was on social media across the main platforms, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok now, Twitter, uh, what else, LinkedIn maybe. Mm-hmm. What if we stopped using so it's become a crux though, right? So I know it would be very difficult to do, but what if, thought experiment, we stopped using it, every single person stopped using it for a month. We could rally to stop using it for a month. What would happen? Totally. Thought experiment question. Sure. I mean, what would happen? Totally. Somehow, somehow before algorithms existed, Martin Luther King had 276,000 people show up at a public address, right? Somehow the Dalai Lama and quite a few others had literally a million people travel across countries by foot to get there, by the way, word of mouth marketing is the most powerful marketing that exists on the planet. And it's been proven for you know millennia. But yeah, I think when we look at it, one of the lessons I'm learning, and, and I think this is critical for everybody, and you said, like, I'm still learning how to check my barometer to be inquisitive versus mm. reactive, right? Yeah. So there's certain pieces of information. There's things that come across my desk 
where my zone of acceptance to my belief system is enough that it fits in without making me uncomfortable, right? So if I'm at the zero, I have out till about the 20 yard line, right? And I'm like, if it falls somewhere within there, it's in my zone of acceptance. And I'm like, oh yeah, I can play with that, right? But the moment you're at the 25 and out, it falls into my zone of rejection. And I am working on when it falls into my zone of rejection, not allowing it to run me, mm. knock me off course, be there, there. And it's, it's a practice. And I think it's a practice everywhere. And you, and you nailed it. Like one of the things and like you want to tie this to business and marketing. Yeah, I actually wrote an email about this the other day. We have problems that come up, not because there's a problem, but because we suck at asking questions. Mm. You get problems when you don't ask the right questions. You get yeah. problems when you don't give yourself the space to find the clarity and allow wisdom, intuition, and things to flow yeah. to process. And so the, I think you know, systematically across the board, there's a lot that we get to do. And the inverse of this though, is that once you understand, like in my opinion, and this is me speaking, once you understand that this is what's happening, that we're on platforms that mm. are going to be censored, that we're in an economy yeah. and a society that votes with their attention and it's kind of a crux, that also gives you the field to play on and then you choose what mm. ethics and morals you bring to that field to either contribute to the problem or to create a solution and something different. Another way of being, yeah, I completely resonate with that. And I think what you're saying effectively is awareness is the first stage and the first step towards transformation. Something we talk about every day. <laughs> That's right. And I really liked what you said about the zero to 20 yard mark is, you know, within your field of acceptance and anything above that, it's boom, I'm immediately reacting. And so my practice is, uh, you know, how do I maybe extend the 20 or 25? And here's what I'd say to that. Like, I think, and this is where I think people get confused because some people, particularly people that are really stuck in their belief systems say, well, I don't want to go beyond my 20 yard mark. Well, you know what? Maybe you don't actually have to. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can get really clear that you're zero to 20, right? And we'll just call it there. And anything about outside of that for you, it doesn't align with who you are. Mm-hmm. It's not so much making that 20 yard, 30 yards or 50 yards or 100 yards and compromising yourself and appeasing others. It's just how are you choosing to be with what's outside of your scope of belief? Because mm -hmm. that's the fucking problem that we have. It's people that – so whenever information is presented to us that doesn't resonate with us, instead of, again, either A, being curious or standing in our power and say, you know what, bro, that doesn't resonate with me, but here's what I'm going to do. Here's how I'm going to receive that. I'm not going to receive it violently. I'm not going to receive it by abusing you. I'm not going to I'm not going to get my little wounded boy to come out and get all scared and then I'm going to attack you or be defensive. I'm going to hide. I'm going to receive that in a healthy way. And we're going to have a mature conversation about it. I'm going to present to you my disposition. I'm going to present to you my vantage points, my perspectives, and maybe we're going to learn something from each other. Totally. But inst instead of doing that, instead of saying, and then having that conversation, and it could go for a minute, an hour, a year, whatever, and then saying, oh, wow, yeah, I'm actually now that you presented that and I've delved into it a little deeper, I'm going to look into that. Mm -hmm. Now, let's just extend that for a moment to what's happening collectively. Let's just for a moment imagine that the powers that be, governmental institutions, and large corporations and industries that basically lead and govern the way we do life in the world in many different ways, big tech, big pharma, agribusiness, petrochemical industry, government, so forth, 
let's assume they just said, Phew, you know what, we've probably been doing things a little ineffectively and a little inefficiently. We own it, we'll take it, and uh, let's maybe do things a little differently. Chances of that happening are about zero to fuck all, yeah. right? Yeah. Because, because we're so addicted to our way of being, having to be right because we're so wrapped up in it. And not only are we wrapped up in it, bro, but there's so much riding on it. It's, it's a, we've created a rod for our own backs in our society. You know, and without getting on a massive tangent, but just while you're flipping through a book there, um, you know, we, people talk about renewable energy technology and, and non-renewable energy and so forth. And people say, well, we need more wind farms, we need solar, and we need this. And fantastic, I agree. We need more non-renewable energy solutions, or I agree with that. And we can't just go from zero to 100. It's the same conversation with defunding the police. Again, another conversation, but we can't just go from all of a sudden being in a society that's basically, a you know, claims to be capitalist, nothing wrong with capitalism, but really essentially is almost a socialist, communist, integrated version of something, right? And then being a nanny state slash police state going to let's just defund the police or or going from non-renewable energy use to renewable energy use. Firstly, you're going to require non-renewable energy. These are... To, to instill the renewable energy tech. Like, there's just so much that we don't think about because we're reactive. Mm-hmm. Well, why don't we just step back? Hey, what's that rule? 80% prep, 20% execution? You yeah. would have yeah. used a lot of that in the, in the military. Measure five times, cut once, right? Like, you know, like, I, well, the, 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 there's so many disperpetuated, like, metaphors in the military. They're like, um, ready, fire, aim. And I was like, no, 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 no. The Marine Corps is one shot. One, one kill, one, right? Like intention, right? Like mm. success comes at the, at the intersection of intentionality and discipline, right? Or clarity, intentionality and discipline. And so, you know, like for everybody listening to this, like this, this conversation, like the, the wickets and the, the pillars of this conversation are everywhere in our lives. They're everywhere. They're mm. in our intrapersonal relationship. They're in our close relationships. They're in our business. They literally show themselves in our business, in our marketing, in our media, in our in our stuff. And and I would say that like, you know, one of the best lessons I've ever learned, but even one that that you've helped me immensely with, you know, Scott Carney calls it the wedge his new book on it's awesome, but like how I do cold therapy and you said it earlier and I want to bring it back. You said when you're falling into your practice, it's about training your mind. And like the analogies that I come up with, it's like, you know, there's such a thing as like muscle maturity. Like if you train every day, your muscles, 20 years later, they respond very, very differently. But you also can't go to the gym after not going to the gym for 12 12 years or 12 months or even two months and be like, I'm going to pick up the heaviest weight and not tear a bicep or get rhabdo or something along those lines. And like, I think one of the biggest takeaways that like I always learn from you is that you're meticulous. You're meticulous in your practice and not what your practice looks like, the commitment to your practice, the commitment to the small things. And so you know, you taught me this. You're like the brain fucking guy. You're the smart one, right? I'm the bull in the china shop. You're the smart, pretty one. And we somehow mismatch together. When you start talking about brain chemistry and consciousness and relational alchemy and all this stuff, I'm, you know, like I get just as googly eyed as everybody else does, right? So, <laughs> but but I think in everything that you shared, like my immediate feelings like, whoa, stuff, what the, f- what do I do? What the fuck do I do? Like, 
okay, I'm aware, Steph. I'm aware now. Great. Like, I don't know. It's going to, I know you do. I'm, <laughs> I'm getting like, he's like, look, he's clearing his throat. He's going to take a sip of water. People won't like the go. answer though. Huh? People won't like the answer. Oh, I will. Though they're, they're my people, <laughs> right? So they they probably will, they but probably will. yeah, I but I would I, rip, go, like go, just go. I'm simple. just shut up now. And it's simple and it's sit with it. Be in it. What does that mean? Literally, literally sit with it. Sit in the fucking middle of your room, your bedroom, your study, your lounge room, your, wherever you're living. Just sit and just be in that feeling. Don't numb. Don't watch TV. Don't scroll on your phone. Don't drink booze. Don't work hard to make another $100,000 that week. Just sit with it. Mm-hmm. That's it. Just sit with it. And the rest will reveal itself. And people say, but I've been sitting with it for a month or three months or six months or 12 months or well, are you sitting with it with non-judgment or are you sitting with are you sitting with it with simple observation or are you saying this is good and that's bad? Because if you're saying this is good and that's bad and you're segregating what you're experiencing and you're compartmentalizing, which the brain does very well, but if you apply that to here, the monkey mind takes over and the the the, the juxtaposition paradox oxymoron is that you think you're sitting with it, you think you're processing it, but you're not because there's an undertone of judgment. And this isn't easy to do. Here's the answer. Sit with it, right? And and I've elaborated on it, but it's not pretty. It's not nice. It's not attractive. It's not plated in gold. It's just you've got, to sit, you've got to get messy with it. And you've got to allow the messy to come through. You've got to allow the joy to come through, the revealing, the revelation, the understanding, the awareness, the sadness, the despair, the anger. Like you've got to welcome it all and just sit with it. Yeah, one of, just so you guys wonder, like, Steph has had me sit. I've actually, we do it both. I've had Steph sit with Steph too. Um, but like his favorite thing is like, he's like, go beat the shit out of a pillow. Like, go get it out, get it out, get it out. And you can only get it out when you felt it. Like, and, and I think about this, like I think about now, like I look at and like full disclosure, like I'm in one of the toughest situations I've ever been in, in business, financially, everywhere in my life. And I'm the happiest I've ever fucking been. Like, ever. I can say it. Like ever. Like I'm just like, cool, let's, Let's go, right? But you went back three years before we knew each other, and it was like, oh, that didn't work. Panic attack. Don't feel it. Go do something else. Don't feel it. Go do something else. Call somebody. Pretend it didn't happen. Somebody, my favorite one. Hey, man, how are you? Things are amazing. Yeah. Right? Let's go. <laughs> For those of you not watching the video, I did like the Popeye arm, right? And so – um, I, I think the two things that I, we talk about a lot, but for everybody listening this, like the steps to this are easy. You can't have clarity on something. You can't process something and you can't get through something unless you fully experience it. And like you, you look at it, like it's, um, I, I actually did a podcast the other day with a, a Tibetan monk and, yeah. uh, it was amazing. And he was on retreat for eight and a half years, like out of the world. And, uh, you know, it, it basically the same thing. He's like all this bullshit about meditation. Like none of them can teach you because they took a course. He's like, do me a favor. Just try to sit down and concentrate and see if you can count to 10 without getting distracted. And he's like, watch, you'll get to three. And he's like, your practice is to count to 10. And he's like, and then 15. And he's like, it'll take you a year to get to 100. And he's like, and then you can start growing and going. But really what it is, it's that presence. It's that sitting Mm. with it. It's that absence of distraction. And one thing that you always say, and I'm going to have you elaborate on this, because this this is something you've said to me that I've ripped a hundred times and I give you credit every time, but I've I've made it pretty, but you just, that accent of yours, right? So um, the one thing that I always catch you saying, we say this to our men that we help every time we talk, 
right now there's a whole lot of like, what do I do to help my team? What do I do to help my family? What do I do to help the world? What do I do to help those? And you always say, if you want to deepen your service, you have to deepen your practice. What does that, what does that mean? Can you unpack that for everybody? Like what that looks like Any any thoughts on that? Most of the time people want to help others because it's a wound for them. They gain their value outside of themselves. So when they are of service to others, so there's a shadow aspect to this, and most most of us are in the shadow aspect of it. So serving others or creating something in the world or status or titles or material wealth or whatever it may be or accumulation of something or being seen a particular way is less for other people and more for our the own fragility of our ego or the wounded parts of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so what it looks like is a people-pleasing or appeasing or um, trying to be seen in a particular way or codependency. In other words, my self-worth is predicated on how you treat me or how you see me or what you say to me or what you give me or what you do for me. And if I do really nice things for you, if I serve the world in a particular way, you'll see me in a particular way. You'll give me accolades. You'll shower me with attention, et cetera, et cetera. So you want to deepen your service, deepen your practice. And what that really means is deepen your commitment to yourself, to your own resolve, to healing those parts of you that are wounded, that maybe you have neglected, that maybe that attention that you wanted from your dad when you were younger mm-hmm. um, and you didn't get that. And that's still playing in at you and in your relationships in your adult life in terms of you being hyper-competitive or you striving and you keep making that goal line more and more and more and further away from you because enough is never enough. Or you've experienced physical abuse as a kid from someone that you really cared about and that you trusted and you can't trust at the moment. And so you paint this, you place, you wear this mask and you paint this facade of your life where you're at. And it's all about what you're doing for the world, but really you're trying to give yourself something, but you're never really giving it to yourself because it's always done through the expression or the means of something else. And that just wears us down, man. It's fucking tiring. It's draining. We build and cultivate resentment for ourselves and for others. We isolate ourselves. We, we, we go back into those stories of I'm meant to be alone. I can't trust anyone. I can never get close. Intimacy, love, and vulnerability is risky. Well, guess what? Yes, it fucking is risky. Yes, these relationships are risky. Facing our stuff, it comes with risk. Being real with who we are and not pretending, it comes with risk. It comes with the risk of rejection and abandonment and humiliation. You know, we talk a lot about the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, mm-hmm. and we focus a lot on the physical, which is we absolutely need that. Mm-hmm. We need the, the the shelter, the food, the water, the oxygen. We need, but you know, we need the the clothing. But we 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 forget the the human touch, the being seen, being heard, being understood, accepted, respected, appreciated, and that being reciprocal. And the only way that can truly authentically be reciprocated is when we're working on our own stuff and we've cleared our past so that the present version of ourselves is not a repeat as joe Dispenza would say we're just living our past lives in the present moment i paraphrase that but we're actually you know, neurologically behaviorally emotionally but we're actually choosing for the first time ever to be real and be ourselves because our practice with choosing to be real and choosing to not live in fear and pain because that's what we're essentially we're doing mm-hmm. the, the aspect of the protectors within us are coming out it's time to change the garb because what happens is how we behave as adults is what we exper- is based on what we experience as children. And as children, most of us have experienced some pretty gnarly stuff, you know, in terms of disconnection, abuse, neglect, um, 
trauma of some sort in different ways. And we would, for the psyche to protect itself and for the psyche to protect the physical body, we would come up with very creative way strategies, protective strategies to ensure our safety emotionally, psychologically, and physically. Sometimes it was going numb if we were being physically abused so that our nervous system would not feel the intense pain of being hit um, or sexually abused. Sometimes if, it was, if we were told we weren't good enough or we were bullied, um, we would go to TV or eating to feel better about ourselves. We would want to replace those those stress hormones of cortisol and adrenaline with dopamine and serotonin and oxytocin and so forth. And if we didn't have the people in our lives to get that from, we would go to other means. So those protective strategies, we carry them on as adults. But the thing is, we're a lot safer as adults. We just don't think we are. We don't know that we are. And so we keep bringing out these old protective strategies that give us a particular experience that's very that resembles that one of childhood. But what it does is it isolates us and distances us because it actually pushes people away to keep us safe. And so we have to change the guard. So that soldier, that's our protective soldier, we have to say, hey, you've been around for 20, 30 years. You need to sit down and have a break. I'm going to bring a new protective soldier in and he's your predecessor and he's just going to do a little different job. But the only way we can do that is when we start really processing and expressing and moving through that pain that we've experienced, however you do that, whether you join a men's group, whether you're with a psychologist, whether you, you've your own practice, whether you di- disappear to Tibet and work with a monk and you, you know, whatever it is, however you do that and in all the different ways, we have to clear out the clutter so that we can actually just be free to live. Because yeah. right now we're not free to live if we're coming from the past. We're dictated to deep neurological grooves that have been laid down from when we were young Behavioral patterns, emotional patterns, and relationship dynamics that were just they are just on repeat. Yep. We're gonna change the tape, man. Totally. It's as simple as that. I got I got super emotional when you said change the guard. Like that hit me for whatever reason, right? Like yeah. in the process of it. And I think too, you said like we're not free to live because of X, but also thinking about what we started this conversation with and looking at social media and looking at our consumption, right? Like I think one of the biggest takeaways here is like wedging. A, a, a gap between you and external mm. stimulus, like wedging yeah. it hard and power like, of pause always like always like I, it's like, and you, some people look at me and like, I used to be the hustler. Like I was, I was 20 hours a day, 22 hours a day. Like, and I could outwork anybody, but I was basically disconnecting myself to death. That's what it was. And you pick which way you interpret that. Either I was going to stay that disconnected till I died or I was going to die because I was that disconnected. Like there was nothing except work, nothing like my value, my worth, my, my energy, my purpose. And like, it's taken a long time to unengrain, you know, military stuff on top of childhood stuff. But, you know, for everybody listening to this, like when you, when you think about this, like, I get asked all the time, Steph, like, what are the secrets to being happy? What are the secrets to building a bigger business? What are the secrets to having good culture in your team? What are the secrets to having your customers respond to shit? And I'm like, you, you are the mm. fucking secret. You, yeah. like, there yeah. is no other you. And and leadership, like, we talk a lot about leadership. We talk a lot, like, everybody listening to this is a leader. Like, you're an influencer. You're a leader. You do it. Yeah. Leadership is not words. Like, it has nothing to do. Only 8% of communication is verbal. 
The rest yeah. of it is nonverbal. And most of the time when you're leading effectively, people don't even hear a fucking word that's coming out of your mouth. You could be talking gibberish and they're going to, uh-huh, uh-huh, I love you. I'll do whatever I'll ever you say, right? And it's yeah. it's that. And like something that you embody so well, but I, I want to like hit this in is like when you think about it, one of my former mastermind members who I love to death, Kayvon, like one of the best sales guys in the world, he said, sales is just a transference of energy. Yeah. Right. So is marketing. So is business. So is relationships. It's, it's literally being as grounded in yourself as you can be, which I'm going to ask you a question about that. And then that is the, the transference that attracts and leads and brings people in. And for me, Steph, and I think this is going to be important to hit. Um, I always thought that that meant it had to look a certain way, right? Yeah. Like I couldn't share if it wasn't in order or if it didn't look this way, or I couldn't write that email unless I had it all done, or I couldn't tell people I had a business or I couldn't, you know, that toxic thinking. Mm. And that for me was probably, and I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, cause we, we do this because there's parts of us that are attracted to ambiguity and uncertainty. That's the only reason that you would be intelligent enough to become an entrepreneur, but we literally, (laughs) we jump into ambiguity. And then there's this part where I I feel like there's this gray area of like, yes, I made this commitment, but then to fully embody it, it's like it had to look a certain way. And so I don't know. That's just, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Like, I don't even know how to frame that as a question. I I don't even know. What are my thoughts on on the whole like like I, I yeah so okay I can unpack it now so when I think about like what I struggled with so much was okay I got it I'm aware right I got it I'm gonna lead right but I can't lead until it looks a certain way until I've achieved this until I have that number in the bank account until I have that many followers who am I to give a keynote until that many people who am I to launch a podcast no one wants to hear that you know, we call it shadows. And for anybody unfamiliar with shadows, we can unpack that somewhere else. Uh, but look up Carl Jung, shadow work, uh, you know, loving those parts of yourself. But yeah, for me, Steph, it was, um, even when I met you, like even when I met you, which by the way, guys, when we met, it was hilarious because we both knew of each other. We ended up having lunch, doing an exercise together, crying together, talking about our dads together. And then we're like, that's you. And I'm like, that's you. Wow. That's awesome. It was, it was, it was serendipitous. <laughs> But even then, I remember telling you, I even remember telling you like verbatim, I wouldn't tell you now. I'd be like, yeah, fucker, why haven't we been friends for 40 years, you ass? Um, (laughs) But I remember telling him like, yeah, man, I'd love to, but like, do I belong here? Can I do this with you? Like, can I run a men's group with you? Can I facilitate with you? Like it even came up after I'd done this work. And I think it's such a prevalent thing that causes freezing. So I like imposter syndrome, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, well, there's your fucking intelligence. Yeah. <laughs> so, so no, no. It's, so essentially, you know, how do we move through imposter syndrome? There's a few different ways where we just do it. Yeah. You know, well, Nike, just do it. Or Nike, however you want to pronounce it. But <laughs> hey, um, don't know how proud they are coming from Oregon, Portland at the moment. But either way, I, heard, I hear it's chaos there. Yeah. But um, just do it. See, Imposter syndrome, again, is – see, we judge imposter syndrome, but it's a protective strategy. Mm-hmm. It's something that it's, – it's a, a technique that we use to keep us playing safe mm-hmm. because 
extending ourselves or showing a part of ourselves that maybe is susceptible to more judgment or critique or possibility of rejection or humiliation or abandonment, that's that's heavy. That can be heavy. And so the, the mind starts chattering, well, maybe do you deserve to do this? Should you really be here? Have you done enough? Just research a little more. It's safer. Just keep learning, keep growing, keep understanding your ideas. Don't you express them just yet. And that's a very convincing conversation and argument within oneself. So part of it is just doing it and having that, making that first step is really tough. So what can help is being surrounded by people that see you, that support you, that are non-judgmental, whether it's a, a group in alignment, like a support group in alignment with your ideals and, and philosophies. Um, and obviously there's dangers with that as well, of course, because we can get stuck in a vortex of not of being niched in in what we think and not being exposed to new nuances of being. You know, working with, a, a again, a coach, a psychologist, a therapist, someone that can give you a new perspective, whatever it may be, talking to your friends, people that you trust, respect and revere that aren't going to judge you harshly for your quote unquote crazy idea that you may have. Right. And that's one of the ways that we can step out of that imposter syndrome. Showing people the work that you want to do in the world or the ideas that you have that are going to go, wow. And if they are going to, you know, critique it or say, hey, could you do this better? They're going to do it in a compassionate way. They're going to do it in a way that's actually going to pull you forward. It's constructive. It's not you're a worthless piece of shit, which reinforces an idea of I'm worthless, so I won't even try this. Yeah. I would think there are so many fucking grand ideas out there and solutions not that we would necessarily implement them because society is so scared of change but so many amazing in fact i'm not even going to say what i'm going to say because there are already so many amazing solutions out there to collective problems that we have that aren't being utilized for for that reason but i will say it i'm, I'm, I'm lying again um there are so many there are so many ideas out there that probably aren't even proposed because people are so afraid of being ridiculed mm -hmm. because they have that um, uh, imposter mm -hmm. syndrome. They have that lack of belief in themselves. So getting to the core of where that belief comes from and working with that in a psychodynamic emotional place can really help individuals move beyond that. You know what? I'm not going to take action because I'm too scared to, yeah, I'm scared, but I'm still going to take action. Mm. And I'm deserving of this. Totally. I and find examples. Like find the, you know, we're very good. So, so I'll just say one more thing on this. We're really, really great at finding evidence as to why we can't do something to keep us in that safe zone. But how about actively, intentionally looking for evidence as to why your idea or your new way of being or your thought or whatever it is absolutely needed in the world? Yeah. Yeah. There's always both sides of that evidence, just like the state mm -hmm. of the world. You can go find a supporting argument for whatever your belief and whatever yeah. side you're on. Yeah. We have the same thing. It's just going to be yeah. checked in and plugged in. Yeah. You, you're you sitting here lying and I'm over here blabbing, trying to figure out like, hey, can you talk about imposter syndrome? It's going to take me two minutes of stuttering to get there, <laughs> but I'll get there and we'll be there. <laughs> Oh man, we're going to have to, and I'm just telling everybody right now, I'm going to schedule like a three hour block with Steph when he doesn't 100%. have hard stops and we're going to go in. 100%. It's going to be the, I'm going to give a disclaimer at the beginning of the episode because Steph and I have a really deep relationship and what's going to get uncovered in the next one is probably going to be a little, Bro, yeah. If you have me again, legitimately put a three hour block. Away. No, I'm, I'm game. I'm like Joe, Joe Rogan's going to get tired listening to our podcast. <laughs> um, 
But before, and, and I have I have some one more question for you, but before we do, and I forgot to do this in the beginning, guys, like full disclosure, Stephanos is literally like my best friend and soul brother. So I was like, let's talk. And normally in the beginning, I tell everybody where to find you, but now you want to find him even more. Um, but we made it really easy because good luck spelling Stephanos Stephanos, right? It took me a year to be able to even put his name in my contacts the right way. Um, so it's really easy, uh, for all of you that want to find out more. And Steph is a master. He has so much free content and valuable resources for you on his website. And it's www.growwithsteph.com. I actually helped put together a breathwork course. If you're ever wanting to like, you guys hear me talk about breath all the time, which by the way, if you haven't read breath by James Nestor, it's such a good read. It's brand new. It's like mind blowing. No, I haven't read that. Uh, you add it right away to your okay. compressed schedule. Make some time. Um, and so for those of you wondering where to find him, it's www.growwithsteph.com. And then he is on social. He's on my social. You'll see me tag him occasionally. It's Stefano Safondos, but um, I want to respect your time because I know we have a hard stop, but there's one thing that I wanted to ask you to close with. And so, you know, one of the things here is I think it's really easy right now, and it doesn't matter when you listen to this podcast, there's uncertainty in the world all the time, right? And yeah, yeah. I think that uncertainty yeah. personally from the growth I've had is coming from how we choose to how we choose to see it, right? Because my wife yeah. is like, why are you so stressed? It's just opportunity. I'm like, yep, I'm, I'm getting there. I love it. Thanks. And <laughs> thanks for making me feel insecure, wounded, and loved at the same time. Like I just, oh yeah. But I, I think it's super, super common right now. And so I just would love like your parting wisdom on like, we talked about, you know, self-awareness. We talked about getting committed to the small things every single day that create momentum and give us kind of like mm -hmm. a, a barometer mm -hmm. in the water. We talked yeah. about deepening our, our practice to deepen our service. We talked about mm -hmm. having a hundred percent ownership of everything that we do. Like we wrote four books in this podcast, right? <laughs> Jesse. Yeah. Jesse. Right? <laughs> it's coming. I actually talked to Jesse about you this morning. Um, and so, um, now that we have that, but like, what would be your parting wisdom tying that all together? What are some things that people can do right now? Like as they listen to this, this is the end of the episode, like put it into practice, practice this, make a commitment to this and really get these things in momentum in their life, no matter where they are. Yeah. Look, definitely. I'm a, I'm a big advocate of physical movement, exercise, training, whatever that looks like for you, boxing, lifting weights, going for a walk, going for a run, swimming, walking the dog, whatever it is for you, you know, like just definitely move your body, not only for perspective, but for reprieve, mm. but also for health and vitality. Um, and, and also physiologically just circulating those very healthy hormones through your body is going to give you more energy, more power, clarity, perspective, all of that. Another thing I would say is, yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head, man. We live in very uncertain times, right? And you know what? We've lived in uncertain times before. I just did a post earlier on what was happening in Great Britain in World War II in 1939. Children were wearing massive fucking gas masks. So were so were basically everyone in Britain was was wearing gas masks all the time, just in case um, uh, Germany would throw tear gas and bombs and like you know. We, we've lived through that. We're going to live through this. And this isn't a, a dig on masks or anything like that. It's just a cultural shift that we're experiencing temporarily. So my advice around that is, and, and, and look, I'm really giving myself advice here is look at all the different perspectives. Don't overwhelm yourself because you can go really deep down the rabbit hole and you've just got to know when to pull yourself out. But just be willing and open to look at the own, your own different perspectives. You can hold strong in yours. You can be diligent in your perspective. You can say, hey, I'm really clear. This is my perspective and these are my boundaries around that. Awesome. 
And if you want to strengthen your perspective, get a new perspective because that will actually strengthen your perspective or it may dissolve it or parts of it. And if it does that, that's not a bad thing because it means you're evolving and shifting as well. And so don't get bogged down in everything's okay and don't get bogged down in we're all going to die because there are both extremes. One's dystopia, one's complete ignorance. Mm -hmm. And somewhere in the middle there, and maybe not even in the middle, but on another fucking line, another barometer, another spectrum, is some a different level of truth that can expose your own shortcomings and the areas of life that you need to work on where you can actually feel better. And this is how I'll sum it up. Every state that we experience is necessary, whether it's sadness, anger, joy, bliss, whatever, you name it. We, we can't know one without the other. They're opposing forces. We live in a world of polarity, right? But we do have desirable and undesirable states. If we lined up a thousand people and we said, hands up if you would prefer happiness over sadness, I'm pretty sure unless some of those people have a pathology, 999 of them are going to put their hand up and say, yes, happiness. Mm -hmm. Not because sadness has no value. Not because it's quote unquote bad. Because it's just not a desirable state. Our issue is in society is that we don't meet the spectrum of, of experience, we don't embrace it, we don't meet it with openness. Mm. So what I would say is, can you experience what you're experiencing with observation and no judgment? Mm. That's about as simple as that. And it's actually really hard to do. Okay. What he, <laughs> what he said. I love it. No, I, I absolutely love it. It's been an absolute gift um, having you. For everybody listening, we're doing probably rounds two through 10 like this isn't going away. I still uh -huh. want to launch a podcast with him, but one of the ways is I'm probably just going to keep him on as a recurring guest. And so you guys better get ready to get woke <laughs> as shit. Um, and I'm all in for that. Yeah. So it's just a red pill to yourself, right? Like it's a red pill to loving yourself, <laughs> accepting yourself, knowing yourself, and then taking what we learn, these observations, these awareness, like listening to this episode, some of you probably are like, holy shit. Oh, that's me. Oh, that lands. Oh, I have that. Or, you had a moment of a thought of something of clarity. And I think the most important part is if it's something that has to be felt, sit with it and feel it. And on the other side of that comes clarity. And if it's something you have mm. clarity on, make a commitment to put it into practice. Don't make it glitz and glammy. Put mm. it into practice, 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 strive for progress. Can I say one more thing, my brother? Yeah. You know, I look to you as an individual in my life, as a brother and individual in my life that carries a great deal of wisdom in various areas because of your life experience and what you've done with it, et cetera, et cetera, right? Mm -hmm. I just want to say to your audience and whoever's listening, well, obviously, if they're listening, they're your audience, but, but don't take for gospel or for absolute truth what George and I are saying. Mm -mm. In, in fact, don't, don't fucking listen to us at all. What I would say, and I don't mean to speak for you, but I just know that you yeah. would resonate with this. That's why I'm saying it, is do your own research. Mm -hmm. Sit, you know, like we say, you know, sit with this. Just go sit in your pain or sit in your joy or celebrate this or take ownership of that or go see a therapist. Well, do it and experience it for yourself. Have a direct visceral experience of that in every integrated cell of your body, in every aspect of your being, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, etc. So... Don't take our word for it. Mm -hmm. Experience it yourself. That's where your greatest power lies. Yep. Yeah. I yeah, I told you he was my husband. He speaks for me. <laughs> I, I <laughs> Bang. Told you, right? Like the tattoo on my finger is my wife's initials, but Stephanos <laughs> gave me the ring. So um no, I think 
I, I think that's so so prevalent. And actually, that's a really good reminder for me because I speak in absolutes. I speak from my experience. And every time you hear any me, anybody, anything, the filter should be, oh, departs that land for me. What's my perspective? Can I incorporate that into my life? Is that something I should explore? Or if I call you a purple dinosaur and it doesn't land, well, guess what? Don't put the fucking costume on. Just let it go. Right. I, I heard this uh, pastor, Stephen Furnick, I believe. I don't know. I just came across a video and he was talking about feelings. And he's like, here's the best part. You don't have to catch him. You can just let him fly right by. And I was like, I, I was like, amen. He gave like this two minute speech on catching feelings and letting them go and not catching them. And I was like, it's just that if you caught something that landed, try it on for size. If you heard something and you're like, oh, that resonated, but I don't have to explore it go create an experience and put it into practice. And so I am super honored. I am super humbled. Stefanos, brother, I love you to absolute pieces. Thank you for being in this world with me. Thank you for leading me and guiding me every single day. For all of you listening, uh, go check out Steph's website. It links everywhere. I've been a part of a lot of the stuff there. I know what's there. I use it. We do breath work together. We facilitate this stuff. It's www.growwithsteph.com. So G-R-O-W. W-I-T-H-S-T-E-F.com. Wow. And I have no other way to wrap this episode than just to end it. So everybody, thank you for sharing your time with us. Thanks for being here. And remember that relationships always beat out. Thanks for listening to this episode. And like I said in the beginning, and probably a ton of times throughout, make sure you subscribe to the show if you want to hear more. Now, leave a review if you like me. Actually, don't leave a review if you like me. Just leave a review if you feel so inclined. But I'm going to ask you because it helps other people find this. And I'm going to give you a little marketing lesson in the outro of this anyways. Go to mindofgeorge.com so you can get into our crazy family and also get a free gift my team and I made for you. Now, here's the thing. There's only four types of customer journeys and I'm sending you to one page to cover all of it. But our job is to give you everything that you need to succeed as an entrepreneur. See, what I want is I want you to be in our family. I want to be in a relationship with you and I want you to have a win before I ever get a win. And so on that page, you'll see some of the best stuff that we have, our top podcast episodes, our free courses we put together, our free content. And there's one in particular that I'm super proud of. We put together a free 30-day transformational marketing course. Literally, just need your email so you can get in and get into the membership site. We talk about the two most important documents in your business, your lighthouse and your avatar sheet, which we now call the beacon of beliefs in your captain's assessment. We teach you about the conscious and subconscious customer journey, how to have congruency in your marketing, the psychology of email marketing marketing, the six email sequences that your business needs to have right now to win, the two most wasted pieces of real estate and digital marketing that you can fix right now, my special five-part email recipe, and how to reframe your card abandonment strategy so you don't insult people's intelligence anymore, plus whatever else I can come up with on a certain level of crazy, because my mission is to teach you that relationships will always beat algorithms, and I'm ready to be on your team, I'm ready to be in your corner, and it's time for you to win a gold medal. So make sure you go to mindofgeorge.com, and we'll see you in the next episode. I love you all. Bye.